Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Now God says you're the God. And maybe some of you are looking for the Lord to raise you up to do something greater. Maybe you, you feel called to something more than what you're currently doing. Maybe there's something you're like, you're, you're reaching for, desiring, or wanting, and, and maybe it's not happening fast enough for you. And I would just explain to you the example of Joshua as he was just faithfully, he was a faithful number two guy, faithful assistant. And then God said, boom, I got this for you now. Following Jesus isn't about basking in the attention your faith may bring. When you place your faith in him, you acknowledge that he is God and he alone is worthy of worship. Any praise you receive from others should immediately be pointed towards your Savior. As Pastor Bill will encourage us in today's message, God can use you greatly when you approach him in humility with a desire to serve him over your own agenda. If your own success is your priority, you'll miss out on his purpose in your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 27, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I can't be confronted with the items of our day and then say, well, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't know what God would say. I, I know exactly what he says. He said, you need to repent of that or you're going to die and go to hell. That's what he says. I got to be faithful to that. You got to be faithful to that. Uh, that's part of representing him in the culture in which we live, right? We didn't make it up. We just learn it and share it in truth. And, um, you know, because just as damaging as it was for Moses to misrepresent to the people that God was angry when he wasn't, it's as damning to represent God as okay with something that he's angry about, that he wouldn't be okay with. Um, that's just as damaging. One of them damages someone in, that they become standoffish and afraid of God who, you know, they think is mad at them. The other one is damaging and then people think, I'm going in this sin and God's okay with it when he's not. And then they die and stand before him and find out that he was never okay with that. And so we want to be careful how we represent God wherever we get a chance to represent him. We want to do our best. And so moving on now, look at verse 15. It says, then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord God of the spirit, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation. Moses now knowing that he's about to die. Moses doesn't say, well, God, I, got, I, I know who I want to take over for me. He, he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, you're the God of all spirits and all flesh. You know everything. There's nothing that goes past you. And so, Lord, you, you set up a man over the congregation. Who do, who's your pick? And he doesn't choose for himself. He doesn't look around and see who he thinks would be a good choice. He goes right to the Lord who knows everything and says, God, you pick. Um, to you single people, um, I would say this. Uh, talking to my daughter and her roommate recently, and um, they got, you know, questions about relationships and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm on the, me and my wife are both. Um, we cope, we parenting other kids in her little room. You know, we got, we got some, we done picked up a daughter. And, uh, but as we're having these conversations and going back and forth, you know, one of these are both young ladies. I'm like, Hey, you, you want to let the Lord do the picking. Um, you don't want to look with your eyes and think with your mind and pick because at best we're all limited, right? Anybody here that's single and you're dating or you're going out with someone, there's a phase where you're only going to see their very best. I mean, just the very, very best that I mean, 
that's what you're going to see. That's what they're going to put forth. I remember when I was dating my wife. Um, you know, we weren't dating. I mean, what were we dating? What were we dating? What were we doing? Uh, you know, you didn't know what we was doing yet. Anyway, when we was going out, um, you know, you know, there was a period where there was stuff. I was, man, I was working so hard. To, I was still newly saved, and um, so I was getting my language together. And I saw her react to somebody else cuss, and I was like, "Oh God, help me, help me, help me! Please don't drop no bombs on with her." You know, just I was trying hard, you know, and and she was seeing the best. I mean, the very best. There were things. That, you know, I may take, I mean, we married 19 years almost now. There's some liberties I take. But back then there was things that I just would never do in front of her that I would now just, you know, oops, you know, just do it anyway. You know, so um, you just see the very best. That's what's presented. And so it's so important that we seek the Lord about these things, because maybe I only see what someone's presenting and it looks great. And but I can seek the Lord who knows everything. And God can say, nah, that's not you. I know it looks good, but that's not what you want to do. OK. All right, Lord. Or I may be looking and saying, I'm not even sure. And the Lord said, hey, that's that's what I got for you. Roll. I want you to roll with that. But it's just wise to let God do the choosing because he don't make no mistakes. And if you let God do the choosing five years, 10 years, 15 years, how many years down the road, if you hit some bumpy waters, you can look back and say, well, God, this is what you called me to. Right. No question. I'm not looking back saying, well, I, I did this. I look back and say, Lord, you, you said you said this is what you said, so I'm here, and I guess these bumpy waters. You with me in this because you called me to it, and you roll it out with the Lord. So Moses does a wise thing here in saying, "God, you pick. We need a new leader. I'm, I'm gonna be gone. You just told me I'm about to die, and I want you to pick the next leader." I just want to point this out as well to a non-believer, you know, to someone that doesn't have the the I guess the peace of. You know, I'm going to go to heaven or I'm going to be with the Lord or I'm uh, I, just what's going to happen when I die. I just want you to note that Moses doesn't whine about the fact that he's told he's about to die. He doesn't go, oh, no, not now. Give me more time. You know, he just he seems like he's OK with it. he's ready for it. You know, I've done what I've been given to do here. I'm good. You know, well, since I got to go, can, can, he's worried about the replacement because there's a big group of people that need to be led. And that's where his thoughts are at. And. I've been with believers. I've been with saints that were just knew the Lord. I remember my very first uh, hospital visit. Not it wasn't it wasn't even a hospital. It was a home visit as a pastor was to a it was a Hispanic lady, an elder lady named Carmen, and she had had cancer. She had had a final treatment thing, and they had just sent her home to die. And she called the church and said, you know, can you, I wanted to, she wanted a pastor to come pray for her, but she really wanted someone to come share with her young adult son who was at the house. And I remember this is my first house call. I'm like, man, the lady's got terminal cancer. She's going to be dying. I'm, I'm looking for verses. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to encourage this woman. Nervous. I'm praying all the way there, trying to get my, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to speak a word of encouragement to her. And I finally got my little verses together and I get to the house and I walk up to the door and the son leads me to the room and I sit there and talk to her. This woman is so full of grace and joy and peace. She ministered to me. I could have just shut my Bible and shut my mouth. She just told me, she's like, oh, it's been great. The Lord is so good to me. She said, she had a little Walkman tape player with worship songs. Like, I just listened to the worship and it just ministers to me. I'm not even feeling pain and I'm just preparing for heaven. I'm going to worship him in his presence. And she was just like, I'm ready to go. And she said, I asked you to come. I'm not looking for healing. I expect to, I'm going to go be with the Lord. I'm ready. But my son doesn't know the Lord. Would you go talk to my son? That's all she, I mean, and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, she just got told the hospital said, go home, you're going to die. 
And she says, I'm worried about my kid that's not saved. Could you guys go minister to him? I'm good. I, I mean, I left there so ministered. She ministered to me. I left there like she didn't have no fear of death. Um, she was full of joy, full of grace, full of peace. Um, and it just was like, wow, I, that's what saints can have. Right. We know we, we're, we're in his hands. Life and death, whatever comes, we're with him. And so Moses is worried about who's taking over after him. Verse 16 and 17. Let the Lord God of the, of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep, which have no shepherd. And again, his concern is that they wouldn't be out there. Sheep without a shepherd are messed up. They're unprotected. They don't get fed well. They can't get to water. All the stuff Moses has been doing for them. He said they, they, need, they need someone to lead them. They need a spiritual leader. They need someone that's hearing from God, directing them. And so... Um, it, it's similar to, you know, you look at the, the New Testament pastoral calling and it's, it's, a, it's the same deal as a shepherd. You're feeding the sheep. When God restored Peter, said, Peter, you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed them. That's what you're going to do. You're going to feed them. Teach them about me. Show them how to walk with me. Show them how to live with me. Tend them. Care for them. Love them in my name. And so he says they, they need a shepherd that, that's going to lead them, that they wouldn't be out here scattered like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 18, and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. And God says, I'm a, Joshua's the guy for the job. Now, I got to point this out about Joshua. Where did Joshua come from and where has he been all these years? Right. Joshua has been for years right there next to Moses in an, uh, a couple places it, it named Joshua. It just says he's the, the assistant of Moses. He's just there helping out. He's been there kind of in obscurity, nothing glamorous about his ministry or work that he's been doing. He's done some cool things, but he's not really celebrated in scripture. He's not a whole lot about him. We know he was faithful. We know we got carried over him and Caleb, but he's been faithful to just be Moses' assistant for years and years. 40 years, he's been just Moses' assistant, serving alongside, helping him out. And now God says, you're the guy. And maybe some of you are looking for the Lord to raise you up to do something greater. Maybe you, you feel called to something more than what you're currently doing. Maybe there's something you're like, you're, you're reaching for, desiring or wanting. And, and maybe it's not happening fast enough for you. And I would just explain to you the example of Joshua as he was just faithfully, he was a faithful number two guy, faithful assistant. And then God said, boom, I got this for you now. Some people won't be faithful in a support role. They just want to be, they just want to be where they want to be. Um, but many times the way God raises people up is um, you'll be faithful in something lesser, right? The Bible says don't, be, don't, don't, don't despise the days of small things. And sometimes God gives us small things and says, do those small things faithfully. For how long? Just, just do them. I did them, keep doing it, you know, and keep doing it. And, and we really don't get to know, like, when is it in? Is that how long I want to do that? Just, just be faithful in the small things and, and let the Lord bring you into greater things. Josh was a great example of that. Um, he wasn't jockeying for the position. He didn't have a, he wouldn't, he didn't have voters out there. He wasn't out there saying, pick me, pick me. You know, he was just faithfully doing what he was doing all the while, though. He was very close to Moses, very close to the work of God, very close to what God was doing. And God says, I've been preparing him this whole time. Right. As he was just there assisting the whole time, I was preparing him for something that he was going to do. And so maybe where you are right now, God's preparing you. Maybe you're just there. and You're just doing it and you're working and you're and God's preparing you for the next thing. 
my word to you would be this, that whatever God has for you next will be born out of your faithfulness to what you have right now. So be faithful with what's in your hand and let the Lord bring you into whatever else that he has for you. Uh, the Bible teaches that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from where? From the Lord. God does it, right? doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from him. So God, now it says that about Joshua that he says, I want you to lay your hands on Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the spirit is in him. And back in the Old Testament, it wasn't like New Testament where the Holy Spirit is in every believer. In the Old Testament, the, the, some people had the Holy Spirit, some people didn't. You could have him and then lose him. He could come and then go. Uh, remember David prayed in the Psalms, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He didn't pray that for nothing because he saw it happen to Saul. He saw it. Saul had it and then Saul didn't have it no more. And Saul was just out there. And so he said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take it from me. Um, here he, he identifies Joshua as a man in whom the spirit of God is in. The spirit of God is in him. And so I would say this to us, particularly those of us that feel called to serve, feel called to be part of the work of God in some way. How important is the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those that would serve? It's critically important. Um, the Bible teaches that we can't do anything in our own strength, right? My own might, my own power. I can't do anything. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to empower me for service. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is critical and important for Christians in service. Um, in the Bible reading earlier on, it was may have been over the last week, we've been in, we've been in Samuel. And one, the day we read about the anointing of Saul, and Saul was walking through and he said he's going to, you know, the, there were going to be all these guys that were going to prophesy. Samuel was telling him and he said, and the Spirit's going to come upon you. And he said, and you're going to become a different man. And I remember that for three days, I took that and I just said, God, I mean, I, it just reminded me of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon a man or a woman or a person. And he said, it's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be a different man. You are not going to be the same. When, when the God spirit is upon a man, a woman's life, you're not going to be the same. You won't be the same. And when Saul went back home, they said, hey, they said they made a proverb. It's, it's Saul among the prophets because now he's speaking the word of God. He's not the same guy that he used to be. Too bad he didn't stay that way. Too bad that didn't continue to be his testimony. For you and I, though, right? And, and I just would remind us, as, 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 as Joshua's identified in one of the characteristics that, hey, the Spirit of God is in him, know that God wants his Spirit to be heavy upon you. God wants it, and it, it is available for the asking. When we close tonight, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask God to meet each of us, that he would pour out his Spirit upon us, that God would equip us to be the kind of men and women he wants us to be. And that we would be yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit, that we might continue to walk in the fullness of it. Asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon you or to empower you is not like magic. And like I said, God, come upon me. Well, bam, and it happens. You know, it's not that. It's, it's a cooperative work, right? If I say, God, fill me with your spirit, I'm also saying that, Lord, as you fill me with your spirit, I'm going to yield to what he teaches me. And when he says go, I'm going to go. And when he says stop, I'm going to stop. And when he says don't go there, go there. Read that. Share that. Do that. I'm going to yield. That's the fullness of the spirit. When you're walking in just an absolute yieldedness to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, that is walking in the fullness of the spirit. Just like walking in the flesh is whatever your flesh is. Smack her. Lie to her. Say that. Do that. You're just doing everything your flesh says. That's walking in the flesh. Well, walking in the spirit is, is over here where everything the spirit is saying it is, yes, I go. Yes, I say, I do. I run. I, you know, whatever he says, that's walking in the fullness of the spirit. So don't, don't let somebody make you think it's something. I've had people ask for, pray for me for the Holy Spirit. Like it was going to fix them. It's not going to fix your flesh. 
you're still going to have to go home and die to your flesh. So Holy Spirit's not going to fix you, but he will come upon you and he will empower you. And this is how it works. It's your choice, his power. You choose to do the right thing, the power to do it will come through him. But if you never make up your mind to do the right thing, you never choose, why would he empower you? You're going to walk in the flesh like you've been doing. Your choice, his power. God will change your life. You'll never be the same. Just allow, just, just having that relationship with God the Spirit who wants to fill you anyway. And so he says, a man in whom the Spirit, uh, in whom is the Spirit, lay your hands on him. And verse 19, set him before Eliezer the priest and before the congregation and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And I would just point this out as well. Some people, you know, if, if, if somebody, if your boss came into your job and said, hey, they bring in some new employee and says, I want you to train this person up to take your job. <laughs> OK, so <laughs> I'm going to help us out. Right. Most people would be kind of insulted by that. Maybe you won't give them all the lessons so they won't be very qualified to take your spot. Um, but it's different if you believe this, right? If you believe that everything you have comes from God and that no one can take away from you what God has given you, that you can fully train them, make them the best they can be and trust that if God removes you from here, he has something better for you, that everything you have, everything God has for you is yours and you're not, you don't have to, you don't have to be conniving to protect it and to keep it. You could just give it all away and still get everything God has for you, right? That's, that's, that's how we're to do things if we believe that everything we have come. Now, if you don't believe that and you just have a secular mindset and you feel like whatever I got, I got on my own. I got to keep it on my own. And they'll bring you someone to train and you won't train them and then you'll get fired and they'll train them by someone else. You know, <laughs> that's how they'll do. You know, so in the spirit realm, same here. God is telling Moses, hey, train him up, you know, bring him before the people. Lay your hands on him. Give him some of your authority. Right. I want you to do it before the people that the people that have been following you would understand that you're you're OK with this, too. You're 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 inaugurating him before the people. I've seen a few of my friends took over churches and it's, it's always a more difficult thing to take over a church than to start one from scratch. Because as you take over a church, there was already a pastor, a certain personality, certain kind of leadership style, everything else. And someone comes in and you're not him, nor can you ever be him. And so I've had guys show up and it's like, no, you're not him. Now he was a better teacher than you. I mean, I mean, I had a friend that went up somewhere and they just beat him. I mean, he, it was a beating he took, you know, they just, you know, nope, you don't do that right. That's how I, nope, that's not how he did it, you know. And it was difficult to, you know, to kind of do ministry under that. And um, he, ended up, he ended up just leaving and, and starting the church by the way, without that, you know, it was, it, was uh, it, it, it got that bad, you know. But it can be done and I've seen it done, you know, where someone is raised up, you know, and, and brought in and. And it's done in a healthy way. And so he says, Moses, you bring him up. You lay your hands on him. You inaugurate him before the people. You give him some of your authority. And in verse 20, it says, and you shall give him some of your authority that all the congregation of Israel may be obedient, that they would begin to look to him as a leader and obey him. Verse 21, he shall stand before Eliezer, the priest who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At the word, at, at his word, they shall go out and at his word, they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, set him before Eliezer, the priest and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him. 
just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And so everything he was told to do, he did it. And God is raising up the successor to Moses, which will be Joshua. Moses, who represents the law, was able to bring them right up to the brink of the promised land. But Joshua, who is a representative of Jesus, is going to bring him, be able to bring them all the way in to the promised land. As we continue the story, we're going to see as he, they, they bring them in. So first off, we looked at the young ladies who, whose father had died because of unbelief. He was part of that original generation. But he had somehow managed to raise up daughters that believed God, that wanted the promises of God. And it just was an encouragement for any, any parent that maybe you haven't had a, maybe you didn't have a great start but that you can give your kids what you didn't have. Your kids can be what most parents want anyway. You want your kids to be better than you and go further than you ever could go. And so he was able to pass that on to his kids that his daughters wanted what God had. Next thing is his daughters, you know, when faced with that difficulty, they brought their problem to the Lord, which is where you want to be bringing your problems. You don't want to be taking them to Oprah or Dr. Phil or your girlfriends or your fellas. You want to be taking your issues and your problems to the Lord where you could actually get resolution. That's what they did. Like Moses, when he was confronted with a new situation, rather than leaning on his old knowledge or his old, you know, or his years of experience, he got confronted with something he didn't know. And he was humble enough to seek the Lord when he didn't know anybody. For all of us that are leading and, and, and over other people that are dependent upon us, be humble enough to not know everything. And when you don't know something, to take a moment and seek the Lord so that when you do answer it's from God and not from you. Uh, it, it'll, go, it'll, it'll take your leadership much further. People, people appreciate that a lot more than a phony know-it-all because don't nobody really know it all but Jesus. Amen? Then, so that was, uh, so the, 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 one, the one handoff or the one passing of the baton was this father to his daughters. Uh, it, it had obviously been passed down. The next passing of the baton is from Moses to Joshua. As Moses had been the leader, his time was coming to an end and God said, look, I want, I, this is the guy I want to raise up be, behind you. Moses didn't fight it. He didn't resist it. Everything God said do to the, to the word. He did exactly what God said do. And he laid his hands on him and he inaugurated him and he gave him his authority. And, and he's going to watch the guy that's going to take them in. And you know why he's able to do this? Because Moses still cared about the congregation. It's not about you. And that's a healthy part of leadership, that it's never about you. It's about God and it's about the people that are looking to you. It's not about you. And Moses understood that he didn't plead for his life. He, he did ask, can I, can, I, can I get to go in the promised land though? You know, and God said, that's enough of that. You know, and he, he stopped. But you know what? I, I love where his heart's at because when confronted with this thing, he said, you know what? I, though people need a shepherd. He still cared for the people. He wanted them to be taken care of. And that's a great leader. Someone that says, yeah, it's, it's time for me to go. My time's over, but I want them to have the best. And so he did what God said do. So for all of us here, right? We all have some, someone that we're passing down what we have to. Be faithful with that. Be faithful to pass down ministry. Everyone that's in a leadership position in ministry, you need to have people under you that you're raising up. What if you die all of a sudden? Who can take over? If you die, does the work die or does it keep on going? There should be people right in tow to keep things going. Um, You fall sick. Is there someone right here that you're pouring into and training up that the work should go on? Because the work is always more important than the worker. Because the work is for the masses. It's for everybody. And so some people like to work in such a way that it's, it's so confined and only I can do it. So I'm needed. They, they need to be needed. That's bad leadership. We want to give it away. Um, I had one pastor said to me that as a, as a pastor or a leader in church, you want to always be working your way out of a job. 
So I mean, I'm, I'm working and I'm serving and I'm giving it away and I'm raising other people that, you know, I'm just working myself out of job after job. That means the work is growing. And there are more and more people that can take it and run with it, uh, which is good for the work because the work is God's. Amen. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time... Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.